for some children with a really profound need that we might need to teach a, a sort of sensory pre-formal curriculum first. Has the child got the ability to sit and, and receive three or four minutes of direct teaching? Because if, if they have, then they can absolutely learn with phonics. Hi everyone and welcome to Sensational, the special educational needs podcast brought to you by Witherslack Group. Our podcast is all about celebrating neurodiversity, providing parents and carers with the knowledge they need to support children and young people. My name is Molly, I'm the Marketing Events Officer at the group, and today I'm joined by leading phonics consultant, Amy McElhatton, aka the Phonics Fairy. Today's episode is all about the importance of reading, writing and communication, particularly focusing on strategies to support neurodiverse children in home and at school. So welcome to your first podcast with us, Amy. If you'd like to start off by telling us a bit about who you are, your background and your work. Hi Molly, hi everyone, thanks for having me. I'm Amy, um, aka The Phonics Fairy. I started teaching 13 years ago, and this is where my own journey with phonics began. I then left the classroom after four years to work for Ruth Miskin, who is the, the UK's leading authority on teaching phonics. And she's the author of a phonics program called Read Write Inc., which many people have heard of. And then this year I started an Instagram account called The Phonics Fairy with the purpose of demystifying phonics for parents because so many of my friends had young children starting school and they were all asking me questions about what they should expect. So I started this account for parents who have young children or older children who are learning to read with phonics. Brilliant. Thanks, Amy. So let's start off with a very basic question. What is phonics? Okay, so phonics is our alphabetic code. Phonics isn't a scheme or a system for teaching reading. It is the representation of letters on the page and the sound that these letters make. So the main skills we're teaching when we're teaching phonics is what the letters look like and the sound they make. And then when they can read the sounds, how to blend these sounds into words. So all children, no matter what their need might be, will need to learn phonics. The same code for reading needs to be learnt because the code is the same no matter who the child is. There's some recent research that proves that children with different special educational needs do still learn to read best with phonics. It was traditionally thought that some children with SEN would learn better by sight, but this will only take them so far until they hit a, a wall really with their learning to read journey and they do need to learn to decode with phonics um, as, as with every child. Great, so you mentioned how phonics is essentially what letters sound like and look like on a page. Can you tell us about the importance of introducing verbal communication and reading at an early age and in particular what age would you introduce it? Yeah, so I mean verbal communication and reading is of course just absolutely vital. Um, Even when you have a very young baby and you think that that baby isn't understanding a word that you're saying to them, they're still picking up on the rhythm and the tone of your voice. So reading to your baby or your very young child can do so much. First of all, it's a bonding experience between you. Um, Whilst you're reading to them, they're picking up new words, hearing words they wouldn't hear in everyday speech, They're learning to associate the relationship between the words on the page and what you're saying. My own son, who's three, has picked up so much of his language from books. Um, And there's sort of a couple of examples that stand out for me. There was one, it was a phrase from a book called Lost and Found by Oliver Jeffers, where the boy wants to help the penguin. And in the book, it says, 
he couldn't sleep for disappointment. And I'd read it a few times. And then my son suddenly said to me one day, I don't think I can sleep for disappointment. (laughs) Um, And it was just such an odd turn of phrase, one that I clearly would never use myself in my own talk. And it made me realize how much he was picking up from books, that rhythm of of words and the language. Um, So for young children who have a learning need, I wouldn't advise anything different at all. Reading a variety of lovely books to all children is the very best thing you can do to support their language development. And can you tell us a little bit more about speech sounds and why a young person would have trouble with them? Like, for example, what are the main challenges of word pronunciation? Yeah, so there are multiple reasons, really, why a young person may have problems with speech sounds. Some babies who have had tongue tie as a young baby um, might find it harder to make speech sounds um, when they're younger. Some do not have that palate and tongue coordination yet, so they're not developed enough to coordinate For some children, it might even just be that they've lost their baby teeth and they haven't got the adult teeth through yet. And therefore, they're finding it harder to get their tongue into the right position in their mouth. For some children, it does just take longer for their mouths to mature enough um, and for all the parts to coordinate to make the right sounds. So all we can really do is keep showing them the right sounds, make sure that we're modelling it really clearly so that they can see what they need to do. um, And that should improve as they get older. Great. And so I've got a little boy who's 18 months. As he grows up, what age could I expect him to typically pick up reading and writing? Well, I think when children get to age three, they've got that absolute capacity to start picking up some sounds and some blending. And there's lots of my Instagram account about preschoolers and what we can do with our preschoolers to help them to learn to read and write. When children are younger than three, I'd recommend just reading books to them because that's going to do so much for their reading journey anyway and also inspire them to love reading and to see the end goal that when they've learnt to read, they can read the stories that you're reading to them. Um, When they turn three, maybe four for some children, learning the sounds and learning to blend will will start to develop. And this is the age that they really are picking up just everything around them. So age three, I'd say, is a good age to start learning sounds and blending. Right. And so just following on from that, say if he wasn't picking up, um, what, what are the next steps? Are there assessments in place and how can they be accessed? OK, so most children are taught to read and write from the beginning of reception. So age four, age five, if they're older for their year. By the time they reach year one, so age six, Most children should be able to read the most common sounds, blend them together and have started to develop some speed and fluency with their reading. At this age, we'd also expect most children to be able to form their letters correctly, spell some common words and write basic sentences. However, of course, there may be some children who do need more support to achieve this. And that's absolutely fine. Schools should be helping children to get to this point, no matter what their need might be. You said about assessment, so all schools should have an assessment system in place to check where children are at each half term or each term. I think as a parent, if you'd like to see the assessment the school uses, you can ask to see this. If a child isn't where they need to be, then the school should do one or more of the following. Teach them in a smaller group, maybe give them a small group booster or intervention. And this might be repeating the teaching or teaching them one-to-one as well instead of their phonics group Um, the main thing to remember is that schools shouldn't be changing the program during these interventions so when they're working one-to-one with a child or in a small group with a child to help 
catch them up or keep them up with their peers. They shouldn't be reinventing the wheel and doing something completely different. They should be teaching the same phonics program as they're doing with the other children, but maybe breaking it into smaller chunks or changing the pace of the teaching. Right, okay. And if you could tell us a little bit more about what children with SEN tend to struggle with the most. So I don't think there's one thing. It depends on the need of the child. A child with a speech and language issue, for example, um, might struggle to pronounce the sounds and to blend. Generally, struggling with retaining the sounds is something I see a lot. So we would need to show the sound over and over again for it to be in the long-term memory for children like this. For some children, just once is enough. For others, they might need to see it 50 or 60 times, but that's our job as teachers, to show them the sound as many times as it takes for them to retain it. And then other children maybe struggle with blending because maybe they can't hear the blending of the word or they find it hard to say the sounds to blend the word. And again, that's just about practice, working one-to-one with the child, plenty of modelling, really taking the pressure off the child and just modelling how to do it so that they're starting to pick it up from what they see you doing as the teacher. Okay, brilliant. And how do you approach phonics te- phonics techniques to children when they have special educational needs? And how can phonics actually help them? So phonics is the way we teach reading, as it is our alphabetic code. So phonics will help them to achieve a good level of literacy. When I work with children with SEN, I work hard to get to know that child, first of all, and to find out what's going to help them. Typically, children with SEN might have shorter attention spans. So for a child like this, a quick five-minute burst followed by some active play might be a good idea. Um, One boy I'm helping one of my schools with at the moment um, has a really deep love of trains. So for him, we write the words out and he runs a train underneath the word as he blends it together. That's something that kept him motivated. He's learning to read using the same technique as every other child, but he's just got a train in his hand rather than using his finger to point to the sounds and blend together. Um, It's also important to remember that for some children with a really profound need that we might need to teach a a sort of sensory pre-formal curriculum first if they're unable to access any direct teaching at that point in time. So, you know, the school needs to make that decision. Um, Has the child got the ability to sit and, and receive three or four minutes of direct teaching because if they if they have then they can absolutely learn with phonics it's just tapping into something that they're going to find interesting and motivating and what advice can you give to parents with uh, of children with neurodiversity who may feel overwhelmed when it comes to reading and writing i think here i would recommend they talk to the school find out what phonics program they're teaching first of all See if the school would either lend you or give you some resources that you can support with at home. The stages of learning to read can be broken into small chunks and it absolutely doesn't all have to come at once. It can feel like a really overwhelming journey when you just think, how do I get from no reading to being able to read a book like Harry Potter? That doesn't happen overnight. It happens over years with lots of direct teaching and that teaching broken down into smaller chunks. So find out from the school, what is your child working on? Is it the initial sounds? Is it blending? Is it a later stage like learning the digraphs, which is where we have two letters making a sound? Once you know what it is that your child can do and what the stage is that they're working on, you can then ask what you can do at home to support. But the main thing is to remember that we're only ever teaching to learn to read in in small chunks. So we should be helping them with that small chunk at home and replicating what they're doing in school rather than trying to 
um, rush through the different stages of learning to read. It's a step-by-step process. Yeah, just on from that. So we we do hear a lot from parents and it's something I struggle with myself because I've got two stepkids who are seven and ten. It's it's sort of like understanding how we should be replicating the way that they are they, they learning skills. So as a parent, how do I work collaboratively with teaching staff to make sure what they're learning in classroom is also implemented at home? It's really important to do that because lots of parents reach out to me and say, can you recommend some resources that I should buy? my child at home and I always say well talk to the school first because you want to replicate the program that they're doing in school otherwise it can confuse the child if you're then showing them some different phonics programs at home um the schools I work with would often hold sort of parent workshops where parents of their children um and and those children with SEN will come in maybe to watch a teacher or TA working one-to-one with their child so they can see what it looks like in action The school Mm. would then help the parent to know what to do at home. So they would almost teach the parent. um, And so that parent then can replicate what's happening in school. I think if something like this isn't being offered to you as a parent, just ask for it. You know, go into the school and say, I'd like to watch how you teach my child to learn to read. And I'd like to know what phonics program you teach. Um, You can find out which resources they use. And therefore, you can replicate those resources at home. I'm sure the school would be really happy for the support. I know that my schools are always really happy for any parent support we have. So go in, talk to the teacher, find out what it is they're doing and how you can help at home. And they they would be really welcome to that support. Yeah, that's great. And aside from your Instagram account that provides amazing top tips, uh, are there any other websites that parents and carers can visit to find out more? Yeah, so there's, you know, there are so many resources around for parents with children who have special educational needs. Um, I have a a course that I'm sort of currently working on, on phonics and SEN, um, which is in the pipeline. And I'll advertise this on my Instagram page when it's ready. So that course would be available. Um, And you can, of course, look at other websites like BBC Bite Size, etc. They have lots of information for parents of children with SEN um, where you can yeah you can sort of find different different resources and top tips and I think the main thing is talk to the school communicate with the school so that you you're on the same page and you're doing the same thing at home as what they are doing in school to help that child learn to read and avoid any confusion Great. And lastly, what is your Instagram handle, just in case our, our audience doesn't know? It's at the Phonics Fairy. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And that brings us to the end of our podcast today. So thank you so much, Amy. You've answered lots of great questions from our parents and carers and provided some really insightful answers. To access even more advice and support, you can visit withersatgroup.co.uk, which has a library of resources, including webinars, podcasts and downloadable hints and tips. I'd like to thank Amy and all of our wonderful listeners for joining us today and we hope you can join us for another podcast soon. Thank you, Molly.